Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our topic today is losing a sibling in adulthood, and our guest is Dr. Raina Vout Godfrey, licensed psychologist and adjunct faculty member at the University of Denver and Metropolitan State College. When Raina was 20, her 16-year-old brother Wesley was killed in an automobile accident. Wesley and she were extremely close, and his death was a devastating loss. On this show, Raina will discuss her research on losing a sibling in adulthood, which has given voice to her love for her brother while providing important data on the experience of the often unrecognized bereaved sibling. Welcome to the show, Raina. Thank you. It's good to be here. Hi, Raina. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Uh, Raina uh, has written a great article and uh, for ADAC. Now, Raina, what does that stand for? ADAC is the Association for Death Education and Counseling. And they have their own journal, and she's written this article. I'm sure you'll want to get it. And how, tell them how they would get it, Raina. ADEC has a website. It's www.adec.org. Um, and even if you're not a member, you can access the website, and you'll see where it says Publications. Click on the forum, um, and then you can read past um, newsletters. And this article is in the January, February, March of 06. Great. So she's written a wonderful article about sibling loss, but I wanted to start out the show today because I think it says a lot about her loss by having her read just a brief um section of her um, journal article. Go ahead, Raina. We've lost Wes. I heard my father say this, and then everything went silent in my head. I saw the tears streaming down his face, felt his and my mother's arms hold me as I started to crumple to the floor. Knew my mouth opened as the screams burst forth, but everything was surreally quiet to me in those first few moments after I learned my 16-year-old brother and only sibling had died in a car accident a few hours earlier. Wow. Thank you, Raina. I think that kind of says it all, doesn't it, Hyde? Absolutely. That's very powerful. Very, very much so. Well, we're talking about losing a sibling in adulthood, and one of the things that Heidi has uh, clued me in on and, and getting ready to have you on the show is how much um, the, the siblings do suffer who have maybe left home the adult siblings. Mm-hmm. And you've done research on that for your dissertation. What have you found out and what's your personal experience about that? Well, I think a lot of times the assumption is made that because you don't live together anymore, because you've left the childhood home, that you're not as close or your siblings aren't as important. And that is absolutely not true. Um, We still have very significant relationships with our siblings um, after we leave home and all the way throughout our our entire lifespan. and definitely that was my experience. Uh, my parents were divorced before Wes died, and he actually, when I went away to college, he moved in with my dad, so we didn't even um, you know, have to share the same home when I came home from college. Um, but we were extremely close, and uh, most all of my participants talked about, even if they lived on the other side of the country, still had um, a very significant loss experience when their sibling died. Mm-hmm. This is so validating for me. Because I think there is a hierarchy of grief, I mean, as far as, even within the sibling community, and like you're saying, and there's some kind of belief that you would not experience the loss as profoundly if you did not live in the home with your sibling. 
And uh, I was so close to my brother. I think sometimes you can be even closer as you get older because when you're younger, you, there's a lot of rivalry, mm-hmm. a rivalry mm-hmm. and a lot of fighting. Sometimes right. you can work through that and even have a closer relationship. Absolutely. In some cases. And, uh, yeah, it's very validating to hear this. You know, and I feel like um, I realized in, in retrospect that we, my husband and I, did, Heidi's dad, did have probably feeling sorry for, or sorrier for our 14-year-old because she was around us and we were seeing it all the time, mm-hmm. whereas we figured Heidi was tucked away in college and Rebecca, and uh, I think we probably were neglect. And I... Um, I know one family that we uh, interviewed, actually, the mother flew out there. I remember that. Yeah. Um, they were yeah. talking about the the daughter was having problems, so the mother flew out there. That mm-hmm. was uh, Reverend Ritter. Yes, to be with her at school. Talked about that. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, they do. Uh, it is difficult. Now, they had a situation like you did, Raina, in that it was the only sibling. Okay. Uh, Heidi, did it help you to have a Rebecca out there? You know what? It really did. It helped me to have other sibling, other surviving siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes we didn't talk about stock because it was too painful, we just knew that we had each other. Yeah. Um, and that that really that did help. Definitely. Yeah. And you were at college together. Yes, I was. And you know, being away also has something else um, attached to it, and that's that people don't you don't have family support. You don't have support because you're so far away. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of going through your own grief process, which you know is it makes it hard also. So anyway, back to your question, Mom, because I thought it was a good one about being the only surviving sibling and what that entails and right. saying more about that. Yeah, and I think, you know, my my experience now, I'm, I'm an only child, mm-hmm. um, and some of my participants had the same situation. Others did have other siblings. Um, and there, there was the added piece of being an only child um, and not, you know, when people say, well, do you have any brothers or sisters, what do you say? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, I have a brother in the present tense. I have a brother. And if I choose to, I say, um, but he's no longer with us or he died when he was 16. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just a place that I've gotten to, and different people, you know, do it differently. Um, but I think they're, the people who, who only um, have the one sibling you know, there's there's almost a pressure that, okay, now I have to love my parents enough for two kids, or now I have all this responsibility. Um, one of the things that siblings do for each other in adulthood is we help one another care for our parents as uh, they age. Um, yeah. And if it's just you, you don't have someone to help you. One of the things I was thinking about, because I said to you during break, your name's Raina Vought Godfrey, and I said, Raina, would you mind if we drop Vought? Because sometimes when the names are long on the show, we drop and you said, well, that would be okay, but that was Wesley's last name. Yeah. So a uh, way to keep him. And then I commented that Heidi is really married. Her name's Heidi Redding, <laughs> uh, or Hi- but she goes by Heidi Horsley. I go by Heidi Horsley, and actually Heidi Redding does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my comment to thought about both of these ladies is that they are memorializing their brothers. And, Hi- and it was our only uh, male in the family to carry on that family name. So Heidi's got that name, and Raina has kept Vought in the middle of her name. And, and, and I've gone one step further. Both my children have hyphenated last names. Okay. It's Horsley hyphen Redding, which people ask me, well, what's going to happen when they get married? I said, I have no idea. Lots of <laughs> as long as yeah. they don't drop the Horsley. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and my, we don't have kids, but um, if we do, I was thinking that I would just use Vought for everyone's middle name. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's a very good idea. So one of the ways that we connect with our children uh, uh, and our siblings, wonderful thought. 
Uh, Reina, uh, one of the things that we were talking about is we would like to talk about some of the advice that you got from people uh, when you were doing your dissertation on how to get through the grieving process. Okay. Yeah, when I, when I was interviewing my participants, a lot of them said they chose to be in the study and talk about these painful things because they wanted to help someone else. And this was a way that they could, um, you know, kind of do something positive with their loss. And so I asked them, what advice would you give um, to someone else who's lost a sibling? And overwhelmingly, there was this theme of don't let anyone tell you what you need to do. Um, go at your own pace. Um, so everybody no, grieves differently. Everybody grieves differently, and don't let people rush you, and um, be good to yourself. And one, one that struck me was someone who said, let yourself feel the pain and grief as it comes over you. Don't push it away. I like that, so don't fight it. Just just go with it. Yeah, yeah. And one of the, one of the guys described it as like an ocean wave, right. um, that his grief would just kind of wash over him. Um, instead of battling against it, he would just go with it, and eventually, you know, it washes out to the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting because you think when you are in the ocean, if you get advice from uh, the people who, um, lifeguards and such, they always tell you to kind of go with it and yeah. don't try to go directly to shore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and this person also said, you know, it's one of those things that it, your grief, your pain is not going to leave you um, eventually it becomes part of you. You know, as it kind of washes over you and you let it come, it becomes part of you and you learn how to deal with it on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. versus so the pain it. isn't so, you're not struggling and the mm-hmm. pain isn't so difficult. Yeah, that, that's a time thing, wouldn't you say? I mean, uh, do you remember early on those first few months or that first year or whatever? Yeah, I think definitely my experience as well as uh, my participants, that first year is just really raw and really intense. Um, and you think, oh, I'm having a good day. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've passed a hurdle. I'm over it. Um, and then the next day, everything comes crashing down again. And that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. You just kind of go with those, how it ebbs and flows. Um, but it is really intense that first year. Yeah, somebody said to me, what gift do you think you got out of the first year? And I said, gift? I think I would have to say I survived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I survived it. Yeah. Because it is a survival. Every day you're just trying to get through each day, each mm-hmm. minute, each hour. Yeah. Absolutely, and and when I observe the anniversary of his death, you know, I, I have rituals, and um, you know, I'm thinking about him and remembering him. But I'm also kind of doing a ritual for myself and saying, "You did it. You survived another year without him." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at your strength. Look at what you've dealt with. Um, so I, I add that component. Mm-hmm. And you've also incorporated him into your life mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm, yeah, when we come, uh, you know, get a little further on in the show, maybe next segment, let's talk about some of your rituals. But for now, could you give us a little more of their, of their advice? Okay. Um, one person said to really think about being good to yourself and doing things for yourself. Um, and what, you know, don't worry about what other people are doing, what works for you, just do it. Um, and he said, you know, if you want to sit in your house all Saturday in your underwear and cry, then just do it. I love um, that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. And he said, and try and find something that makes you happy. Um, even if you think, you know, I used to do that and like it, but there's no way I can do it now. You know, he said, go ahead and do it. Just suck it up, make an effort, um, and get back into it. And that's so hard for people to do because they feel so much guilt mm-hmm. if they're enjoying themselves or not thinking about the person, their brothers and their kids 24 hours a day. They feel bad. 
So giving, saying to them, it's okay, we're giving you permission, go out and do something for yourself that's positive. Absolutely. And one of the things I remember is I went out and ran. You know, uh, I was a runner, and I went out probably three or four days, and I was so ashamed because I was sure my neighbors were looking out the window. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's she doing? And saying, what's she doing? I thought her kid died, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So part of it is the, the imposed pressure you put on yourself, and, and nobody was watching me, and nobody cared, and what if they did? Right, right. right. Yeah. You you do what you need to do, um, you know. And if if you find yourself laughing, um, you know, and you find things funny, that's that's great. Um, if you find yourself crying, then that's that's what you need to do. And it's really important to honor your feelings and respect what your experience is. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, when there are other siblings, and I don't know Heidi if this was your experience, um, the siblings, the, the surviving siblings, grieve differently. Um, mm-hmm. There's no rule that says, okay, you've all lost a brother, so you have to do it the same way. Um, and, you know, how you did it, Heidi, could have been different from Rebecca, and that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, we've, we, the three of us have grieved very differently. I've thrown myself into my work and finding meaning and purpose through being a voice for brief siblings, mm-hmm. and my one sister had a, her, her son and named him after my brother Scott. Another sister takes on the athletic role. We all try to fill roles and voids in our family, mm-hmm. and some can be filled and some will never be filled. Right, right. Absolutely. So what are some more pieces of advice? Um, one person was talking about when you feel alone and helpless, um, that's when you need to really reach out to people. Even if you're not going to speak or talk or say anything, um, he said, you know, get close to people that will stick by you no matter how bad things get. So a lot of times with siblings we get this, oh, you know, it was just your brother or, mm-hmm. you know, how are your parents doing? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to stick by those people. Find the people that you can feel comfortable with, that you can, you know, be quiet with or who will let you have memories. One of the things that was really helpful for me was having friends where I could bring up Wesley and our memories and not have the conversation shut down. Um, and, you know, I could say, oh, I remember when Wes and I dressed up like this for Halloween. And they would just go with that memory for the happy thing that it was versus saying, oh, my God, she's talking about her dead brother. Yeah, and, and, and say to you, well, what did you wear? And, you know, how was it? And that mm-hmm, sounds funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that silence when you say, I remember Halloween, and suddenly every, the table is totally right. silent. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, always, I always say the best gift someone could have given me is if they had come up and said, Heidi, I want to go out to lunch with you, and I want to talk about what your brother was like when he was in your life. Yeah. yeah. Tell me stories about him. Tell me, let me get to know him through you. Mm-hmm. I would have, that is such a great gift to give anyone that's grieving, I think. And that's why groups are so good. If you can find a compassionate friends group or mm-hmm. another group, is they'll hear your story for a long time and you can tell it over and over. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, the, if you can't find a good friend, try to find a group. You and know, you realize or, or what you're going three. through is, is normal. Yeah. You're not crazy. You're not strange. You're normal. It's normal grief. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was curious, Raina, from all the research you did on your doctoral dissertation with adult siblings, was there anything that you found that surprised you, anything that someone said that was a surprise to you? You know, I think overall the, the biggest piece that surprised me was um, how much the siblings would talk about their parents' experience. Um, even though I was asking about their experience, um, they would start off and say, well, you know, my mom felt blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, when my brother died, she really went through, you know, and I kept having to kind of redirect them. Okay, you know, what's your experience? And initially I was getting frustrated. I thought, you know, okay, it's always been about your parents and now this is your time. Um, you know, what's going on here? Why, why are you talking about your experience? And I finally started asking them. And it, it came out that um, a lot of times the sibling grief experience is very connected to what's going on with our parents. 
um, that we kind of filter through, filter through their experience um, and because we're taking care of them. I had one person say, you know, she was making sure that her mother was bathing um, mm-hmm. and she was making sure that her mom was eating. And um, and so the I think the thing that surprised me um, was how deeply connected um, their own experience was with their parents and that it, to them, on some level, there was, there was a, a direct link there. Mm-hmm. Like well, one thing we've talked about, and Heidi, I'd I love you to comment on that. I just want to make one comment. One thing that we've talked about um, on the show is uh, how that, that parent-child relationship and, um, and how it, it is for them dealing with it. Heidi, what's your thought? Dealing with parents? Yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah, what was, how was your experience? I think um, just what we've said before, and that, that it's a double loss, mm-hmm. that you've lost. It's a, such a family tragedy because you've lost not only your sibling, but you've lost the parents you once knew, the, the siblings you once knew. I mean, the whole family is different. Right. And uh, you have to, it's, it's very, it's a strange place to be. So, yes, and, you know, on top of that, I think that most people are never asked what was your experience like, so it might be, Sometimes I'd, I, initially I didn't even know what my experience was because mm-hmm. I was so busy talking about what my parents' experience was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe uh, there's a, is there fear there for both of you on, on you know, what's going on with your parents? Who, who's seen their dad cry that much and, you know, right. the right. whole thing? Well, one, one of the participants said to me, you know, in terms of his mother, he said, you know, your mom is like Superman. Um, superhuman, mm-hmm. and here you see her completely devastated, and you see, you know, this is the kryptonite, this is the chink in the armor, um, and it's like, whoa, my, you know, you, you have this image of your mother as being the person who can take care of you and will take care of everything and protect you, and that now you see her at her absolute um, Worst. lowest point. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you're used to your parents taking care of you. You're not used to having to take care of them. And it's, it is, it can be a little scary. Mm-hmm. When they're grie- grieving can be scary. Even when you're 20 years old, you still depend on your parents to a certain extent. And to see them grieve, you're wondering, is this going to be the rest of our lives or is this going to change over time? Mm-hmm. It's scary to think it could be forever, yeah. that intense. Yeah. And I remember, and I've heard other people talk about it, losing a lot of weight. And I, that must be a concern when kids look at their parents. They're thinner. Mm-hmm. They look terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, just Absolutely. the physical. Yeah, they're crying more. They're, you know, laying on the couch more. They're not as active. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's frightening. Yeah. Uh, being gone and then coming back—that must be a shock too. I don't know. Do you remember that, Heidi? Oh, ab- absolutely. Raina? And I'm sure Raina does too. Every single time I went into the house, I expected Scott to be there. Right. right. And it's just another. It's almost an assault to the system when you open the door and it's like he's not there. No, he's not here. Yeah. This is real. Is yeah. that your experience, Raina? Well, I, I had the very different experience of. Um, I went to France for a semester. Mm-hmm. So Wesley died in October, and in January, I went to France for six months. And so I had, when I came home, you know, I had been away. I wasn't around anyone who knew Wesley. I wasn't right. around anyone who was grieving him. Um, and I had one experience where I, I woke up one morning and thought, oh, my God, I didn't get Wesley a souvenir. Um, I need to run over, you know, to the... We lived on the border, and I need to run over to Germany and get him some cool German stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe I haven't done this. What have I been doing? And I'm running around getting dressed so I can catch the bus, and all of a sudden it hits me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the reason uh-huh. you even bought a souvenir is because he's dead. not here. Uh, um, shocking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely shocking. When I wanted to ask you, um, as a mother, and I'm just thinking about other people that I know, are you under pressure from your family to have other children, uh, to have 
You know, I have to say I think they would absolutely love it and be beside themselves um, if and when we do have kids. My parents have been very, very good in being with me in my process and where I need to be, um, and they, they don't put any pressure on me, although I know they would be very, very excited about it. Um, but they have they don't overtly say, please do this. But from my own personal experience, you know, my own process, um, and thinking about do I want to have kids, do I not want to have kids, one of the kind of reasons for me to have kids is this is a way to biologically um, have a piece of Wesley. You know, mm-hmm. siblings share more genetic material than parents and children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, wow, wouldn't it be neat if we had a little person who had Wesley's eyes or, you know, had his funny little way. You know, as my husband's siblings have had children, you know, they, they it's like, oh, you know, they do Uncle George's, um, you know, same little laugh or this and that. And it's like, wouldn't that be a neat thing to have? So that's something that's been in my mind, um, but not necessarily having overt pressure from my parents. It's mm-hmm. good that you haven't because I've talked to siblings that are now the only child that say that that's one of the things that's been difficult for them mm-hmm. is they do feel pressure. They feel like their parents want grandchildren, and they feel more pressure than they would have had their sibling not died. Right, right. So and how and how would you cope with that pressure? How do you cope with it? Any recommendations, you two? If we've got siblings out there. Well, I think that um, you know, obviously, it depends on your own family dynamics and, mm-hmm. and the communication that you have, um, you know, with your parents. And I know a lot of people aren't able to talk about these things with their parents, and they just sort of kind of take it in. Um, and so, you know, having an outlet or having being able to recognize, okay, this is my parents' grief, and this is, you know something that they need and that's separate from what I need. Um, Who needs therapy? And I know you're a therapist in private practice, which is a great resource for people in the Denver area. Is that where you are? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, for to have somebody who's uh, an expert in grief and loss, and you also were telling us you teach a class. Uh, Where do you teach that? Um, This is a graduate-level class on grief and loss at the University of Denver in the counseling psychology department. So helping master's-level students um, know what to do and what to say and how to be with people, be present with people who are grieving. What a great um, resource you are and what a great opportunity. How would people get a hold of you if they needed you for therapy or wanted to? Um, they, could, they could call me. Uh, my number is 303-905-2826. Um, or they could email me, and it's Godfrey at AOL.com. All right, and I'm sure you do uh, telephone uh, work, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people would be able to get a hold of you and talk about their issues. How would they know if they needed therapy? You know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I went to therapy, but I didn't do it until seven years after Wes had died. Um, and then I went, you know, as part of graduate school and saying, well, I need to know what it feels like to be, on the you know, in the other chair. Um, and then got in there and was like, oh, wow, this is really helpful. Um, so it's it's really... A very personal choice. I had some of my participants who did therapy, some who did not. Um, and I think, you know, the, it, it really depends on what, how you are and if you need someone to tell your story to. Um, you know, I've had people call me and say, okay, I, you know, I haven't gotten out of bed or my wife hasn't gotten out of bed. Um, and I said, well, when did the person die? Well, you know, last week. But you know what? That's fine. That's right. fine that it's been you know, only a week or two and you're still in bed. Um, so give yourself some time. If you find that, it, and I tell people that going to therapy doesn't mean that you're not strong or doesn't mean that, you know, you can't do it on your own. It's a resource for you. Um, and I certainly um, used it and benefited from it. Um, 
And, and you went a few years later, though. Yeah. Sometimes people do need to tell their story. In early, raw time, Compassionate Friends is a great organization or right. other grief groups where you can just be with people who are trying to stand up and walk and get their shoes on and right. all that kind of thing. I mean, that's really early stuff. And a therapist really has to understand that to understand what's going on and not say to the husband, well, get her on a gurney and bring her right. over here. Right. You've got to right. get her into the car. You've got to get her out of the house. And, you know? and on, on the other side, I think if you're feeling profoundly, profound feelings of hopeless, helpless, worthlessness, and suicide, mm-hmm. you definitely need to seek help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And particularly if you have a plan, if you talk to the person and ask them and they have a plan, you need mm-hmm. to get right on it Right. this second. Well, um, we just got a, a few more seconds. Raina, do you have a um, uh, sh- your best piece of advice for those folks out there? You know, I think the thing to keep in mind is there's no right or wrong way to grieve um, really honoring where you are. For me, the most helpful thing was being able to move to a place where I felt Wes was within me instead of beyond me. Um, um, you know, initially that feeling, that separation of, oh, my God, you know, he's gone, he's, he's far away, um, and really getting to a place of, no, he's right here. He's right here within me, and I can connect with him um, whenever I need to. Uh, that's beautiful. And would you end the show by reading the last segment from your article that's in the ADAC, which is American Death Association for Death Education and Counseling. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and would you read the last, how yeah. you ended that for us? My own process of making meaning of Wes's death has taken me, taken me on a complex journey. It has also included connecting to my brother's very powerful presence along the way and being able to say, I've found Wes. Uh, thank you, Raina. What a wonderful way to end our show. And I thank you that. so much for being on the show today. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com. 